Hey, and welcome to Ahead of the Curve. I am Jonathan Gellner, and thank you for being here. This episode is brought to you by Baseball Cloud. Go to BaseballCloud.com to find out how you can have your own data analytics department for your program. Data has a story to tell, and Baseball Cloud gives it a voice. In this episode, I get the opportunity to introduce several college baseball coaches and the man behind the mic at the ABCA, Jeremy Sheetinger. We start off with Randolph-Macon head coach, Ray Hedrick. Then we move to Jeremy Sheetinger, and then we have the entire staff at Paul D. Camp CC, which includes head coach David Mitchell, hitting coach Brandon Matthews, and pitching coach Pat Stafford. Ray, good morning. Good morning. Happy December. It is December. December. You are We're absolutely talking baseball. correct. It's crazy. We're getting closer and closer to the season every day, it feels like. Yep. We're getting there. Just got a few more months to go. Definitely. Well, talk to us a little bit about uh, what we were just talking about a minute ago. And you mentioned that one of the biggest parts of your program is relationships. And I, I want you to share with uh, the rest of the coaches that are here what you meant by that. Well, I think, uh, you know, you know, as coaches at any level, it's our job, first and foremost, to take our players from being dependent on their families when they leave home, when they leave high school, and giving them to that point where they're independent when they graduate. Um, and we do that through the development in our program. And a lot of it is centered around baseball. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of it is centered around the teaching of the game and, and the certain situations that come up over the course of, a, of an academic calendar year. Um, but in a program like ours, and I think a lot of programs, you know, regardless of the level, it, it's more about, it's more than what you do on the field per se. It's about, you know, teaching them how to manage their time academically, uh, how to make positive social choices, uh, engaging them in a community. I know in a town like Ashland, I mean, in about six hours, I got to go play Santa. That's awesome. Um, you Love know, for, for a couple of events there and a couple of my players will be there to help. Cool. Um, so just engaging in the community. Um, and, and then, you know, just, uh, the overall just experience of being a college student athlete, regardless of the SEC, ACC or the ODAC mm-hmm. and just the impact that that has. So we put a lot of emphasis, certainly on the baseball aspect of developing, but also the overall just impact we can have as coaches into their lives mm-hmm. so that they can be successful husbands, successful fathers when they graduate, you know, well beyond their years on our campus. And have you noticed that the more you model that, the more they'll do that for you? Well, and yes, and to answer your question, because that's that's the great thing. People always ask me, um, not that I am um, highly coveted by any stretch of the imagination at other schools, but when I have recruits on campus, it's always, well, you've had success. Are you going to be here for an extended period of time? And, you know, you never say never, of course, about leaving, but I always talk to them about the, the balance that Randolph-Macon provides and mm-hmm. the balance that being a small college coach provides. We can compete at a very high level. We have an administration that allows us and supports us in competing at a high level, but not in sacrificing what's important in terms of being a good husband and being a good father. And I've raised my kids on that campus. Uh, my daughter's 12, my son's seven. Uh, they've been a part of the, the everyday life on that campus. Mm-hmm. Um, and most recently, my son just being at practices, sometimes going on road trips with us, being a bat boy. Um, and I think it's important for, for our student athletes to see me as a husband, as a father, and, and being engaged in my kids' lives. You know, maybe every so often I have to leave practice a little right. bit early because I have to get to my daughter's, you sure. know, games or events that she's a part of or my son's for that matter. So I think showing that balance to our student athletes uh, is an important part of their development that has really nothing to do with baseball. Sure, I love that. And so talk to us about go, how you go about building leaders in your program. You mentioned that you are, you are trying to be an example every single day. And you guys do some stuff in the community. Are there any other practical things that you guys do 
uh, to try and build leaders to get them to communicate better or just to how, how do you make them better people? Well, I think it's I think it's just a slow process. All right. Everything we do is a process. And uh, I think when it comes to developing leaders, you know, you could you could debate are leaders born or are leaders made. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know that there's one right or one wrong uh, either way in that debate. But I, I would say that, you know, we just spend an awful lot of time uh, building relationships and really deep relationships with our guys. It's not just, hey, I'm your baseball coach mm-hmm. and I'll see you at the baseball field. I mean, we build relationships through academic progress, meeting with our student athletes who are either new to the program or are struggling to maintain positive time management over the course of the year. Mm-hmm. So we meet with them frequently about that. Uh, we have different leadership council things that we will do, you know, from time to time, trying to develop, you know, certain players within the program to really step up and, and, and take charge. Um, anytime we have an opportunity to, to, to point out a positive example uh, on a national stage or national level, we'll, we'll try to do that. That's great. Um, you know, I, I, I'm a big believer in, you know, person to person face to face contact i was talking to one of my former former players yesterday who is in his first year as a graduate assistant at, a, at another small school program and he was talking to me about the frustrating uh, aspect of recruiting in that you recruit and you spend all this time and effort into students to try to get them to you know to uh to be interested in your school and then mm-hmm. when they decide to go in a different direction right, nine times out of ten you know he's experienced so far it's a not a personal phone call, but it's an email it's a text. or a text sure. or a message in the office at the oddest hours. Oh, wow. Because, you know, these students don't want to let people down and, and don't want to, you know, have that person to person contact. And mm-hmm. my response to him was, well, now you know why I don't accept text messages and why I expect you to reach out to either me or one of our assistant coaches, not not to make your life more difficult, but to not allow you to hide behind a screen. Mm-hmm. You know, you need to be able to have good interpersonal skills and be able to talk to people. And and so, you know, I don't know if I'm directly answering your question, but I think we just put a lot of emphasis in the day to day of just trying to teach them what it means to be a good leader, mm-hmm. uh, what it means to be a good husband, uh, what it means to be a good father, just through what we do as coaches in our day-to-day life, but also you know, using other uh, opportunities that we see on a, on a regional or national level to say, hey, look, this is why this organization or this program was successful, because these people did this uh, to prepare themselves for that level of success. Well, I've got two things that, that I'm really taking away from that, but the first one is what happens if, say, player little Johnny – is not feeling well does he send you a text or does he have to call you as like i just i literally cannot make it to practice today i'm about to die well it's interesting that you asked that question because i have a unique attendance policy for our guys and i don't want to dive too deep into our, our expectations for our program but in the fall semester your gpa dictates your ability to be able to miss classes okay and first year students or anybody with below a 2.5 they've got no room for error when it comes to absences okay but the old the, the more successful you are in the classroom the more flexibility we allow just to you know i mean growing up is about making choices right and sure. sometimes you make the wrong choice and sometimes more times hopefully you make the right choice but in the instance of classes you know i if you're going to miss a class, regardless of the circumstance, you need to let me know. Um, and in that instance, yes, I may allow them okay. to text me and say, Coach, I'm not feeling well or, you know, send me an email. I certainly expect them to correspond with their professors and let the professors know what's going on. But you'd be surprised more times than not, they will call yeah. um, because that's the culture we've created and and they will have conversations. And then people that I talk to in the industry, uh, particularly, you know, assistant coaches that come into my program or people that are new to my program say, I'm just shocked that guys actually tell you when they're going to miss class. Mm -hmm. But that's, you know, being honest. I mean, life is about relationships, right? So 
we have to, you know, have trust and accountability in relationships if we're going to flourish in those relationships. So that's what I tell my guys. You just got to trust me. And yeah, it may not be the right decision or you may be in a, in, in a tough spot, mm-hmm. but you have to communicate with me so that I can help you work through those situations. So as it relates to missing class, it's just, you know, hey, coach, I missed class. And it may be a freshman who overslept. But I'd rather them be honest with me about it so we right. can talk about why they overslept and what they're doing in their lives to cause them to manage their time poorly. Does that make sense? No, that absolutely so, makes so, sense. So, yeah, I think you, you caught me on that, though. Yes, I will allow them to text me if they have to miss a class. But more times than not, they call. Right. Well, and the the example that I'm going to give is whenever I was in high school, we, we had a coach that did the same. Now, granted, texting wasn't what it is now. Right. right? Literally everything is, is a text. But he would make us call him. And I any time that I wasn't on my deathbed, I wouldn't miss because yeah. I hated having to make having, that phone call and leaving a voicemail because I was like, I want it, I want it to make it sound like I'm sick, but I don't want him to think that I'm faking it. So then I'll just go to practice. Yeah. Like, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, but that's good. I mean, he made you, you know, yeah, think definitely. through your, you know, your decisions and, and it wasn't as easy as hiding behind a screen. Sure. You know, it's very easy to hide behind a computer screen, a phone and, and send your, uh, your feelings or your thoughts or, or get out of something. Um, but I think, that's becoming too too much of the norm now. So you know, as coaches, I think it's our responsibility, and as mentors and as leaders, trying to to, to not just better the game of baseball, just but you know, make people better. Sure. I, I just think it's it's imperative that we try to teach good, positive um, you know actions, and, and just you know try to prepare our guys to have success well beyond their time in, in our programs. Well, I've got another two part question, but my first one is. And this was the second part of my other one, so I'm just compounding upon it, apparently. But I want to know, is this something that, that you've learned lately, but or did you start your career with this mindset? No, I didn't. Okay. And we're going to talk about it on the panel uh, later on. But I, um, you know, I was... I was named the head coach at Randolph Macon, my alma mater, when I was 29. Mm-hmm. Uh, and clearly, I, you know, mentally was not prepared probably for that as much as I thought I was. And I went into that guns blazing, so to speak. You know, I was going to reinvent the wheel. The program hadn't had success in, in close to two decades. And I was going to come in as a 29 year old and I was, we were going to get to the conference tournament. We weren't really going to get there. We were going to win the conference tournament. We were going to do all these great things. I was hired in the fall of 2004. So okay. I, there was no recruiting. I, I had what I had. Sure. So in those first couple of years, you know, I was probably a little bit more abrasive than I should have been. Uh, I tried to do more than I probably needed to. Um, And so like we expect our players to evolve, I've evolved. Mm -hmm. And we had success early in my career. We we won a championship within the first four years. Um, But the relationships with the players then wasn't what it is now. And we just celebrated our 2008 championship team um, back in the spring. And a lot of those guys came back. And I found that the conversations that I was having with those guys were more about what I could have done differently or how I could have been a better coach or a better mentor or a better leader. Um, so, no, I have evolved, and I've realized um, that, like anything in life, it's about relationships. And um, I was probably a little bit more aggressive, abrasive. Now, there are some funny stories that go with that that they will <laughs> tell you uh, about me that we That's can all good. look back and laugh at. But, sure. no, I, I can readily admit that I have uh, I was not – uh, as big into relationships early in my tenure at Randolph Macon, and really, I was more about this is the way we do things, and this is the culture I expect, and there's no room for error. And I painted myself in a corner a lot with things, mm-hmm. and it's just I think that's just you know we all evolve at some point in our lives, and that really was a wake up call for me, particularly in 2009 when we faced a lot of adversity off the field, and I didn't necessarily handle everything the way I should have. 
it really just kind of changed who I was and, and helped me, you know, better engage into my players and make it more about them and less about me. And I think that, you know, that coupled with some other factors has led to our more uh, significant and consistent success over the last five years. Fantastic. Well, that's where I was going to go next. And I, you know, you said that you evolved as a coach. I, to be honest with you, I've interviewed almost a hundred people and it feels like the best ones are doing exactly what you're doing because whenever we're younger, we're almost the same age as the kids that we're trying to, right. to, to coach. And so there's that, I don't want to be their friend thing. And then we realize, okay, well, I can get them to fight for me if I have a relationship with them and they'll go above and beyond what I'm asking them to do. So have you seen a correlation between you getting closer with the guys and your on field performance? Yes. I think just making it less about me mm-hmm. you know randolph macon's my alma mater randolph macon is is a place that i want to be able to raise my family and compete for championships at the highest level randolph macon is not a stepping stone for me mm-hmm. i'm not interested in moving on to you know to to bigger and, and brighter or greener pastures so to speak now if the right opportunity became available sure but but it would have to be really the right opportunity so I think I've taken that mindset and I've passed that on to my players. You know, look, I'm, I'm not here to build my resume. Mm-hmm. I'm not here, you know, to have umpteen championships in the league or a couple regional appearances or maybe getting to the World Series a time or two so that I can elevate myself professionally. No, I'm right. here to develop you and, and to put the time and effort into you. And I do think that the players knowing that it's more about them and the coach is going to make the sacrifice for them and not so much for winning, I think has, has really – you know, has, has really taken our program to a whole nother level. I'm not saying I'm perfect with it. And there were times that I probably sure. should handle things. I think all coaches can, can say that. Um, but, but letting the players know that it's about them and their overall experience as student athletes through the academic piece, through the social aspect of things, um, just through the overall, you know, everything that goes into the four years in college and letting them know that that relationship to me with that individual player is paramount, regardless of their athletic ability, regardless of how they impact the box score on a day-to-day basis, that the individual relationships at the small college level are paramount. And I use that a lot in recruiting too. It's not a business at our level. Mm-hmm. We have no letter of intents, no grant and aids. There's no money amount based on individual players. So everybody's on a level playing field. Now, athletics, yeah, I mean, that athletic ability is going to be different for each mm-hmm. player, but that doesn't play as much of a role. At least I, I try not to let it play as much of a role in our program. I make the relationship be the paramount piece. Definitely. And you can really see your love being expressed for Randolph Macon. And so if if there are any prospective parents that are listening or any any players that may you may have uh, maybe recruiting in a couple of years, why Randolph Macon? Well, I think it's just when you're looking at colleges, it's, it's three things. It's the academic piece. It's the demographic piece and it's the athletic piece. Sure. And you'd like to think it would be in that order, regardless of where you're looking. You're looking at an SEC, ACC school, or you're looking at an ODAC school. Um, so why Randolph Macon? Uh, we have a strong academic reputation. Um, life's about relationships. It's about people who know people. Randolph Macon has all kinds of networking um, relationships, not just in Virginia, but throughout the Mid-Atlantic and really the entire country. There are people who know people who know people that are associated with Randolph Macon. Mm-hmm. Randolph Macon also teaches people how to manage their time, which I think are the two things you get out of college. It's relationships and time management, right? More than anything yeah, you learn in the classroom. Demographically, we're located in, in the in the center of the state. We're, we're two hours from the mountains. We're two hours from the water and the beach. We're two hours from Washington, D.C. 
And I think our campus lends itself to people from all different backgrounds and personalities. And then athletically, I think we, we have a product in, in, in any sport. Just we have a great environment athletically. Our football team just got to the uh, Sweet 16 for foot, um, for the NCAA playoffs. Our men's basketball team is 8-0 and nationally ranked. Our women's basketball team is nationally ranked. Um, we've got tremendous lacrosse programs, soccer programs, softball programs. Last year, there were two programs in the country that were ranked in the top five nationally in baseball and softball. Mm-hmm. Randolph-Macon and the University of Florida. Nice. Whoever would have thought that the Gators and the Yellow Jackets, or the Randolph-Macon Yellow Jackets, would be in the same sentence. There you but, go. But in baseball and softball last year, our softball program and baseball program were ranked in the top five nationally, and as was Florida. So that's why Randolph-Macon, because we can provide not just a great education. You're not sacrificing baseball to get a great education. You're not sacrificing your education to play great baseball. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're, you're getting the best of both worlds, and you're doing it in an area that lends itself to you like to hunt and fish. We got that. Cool. You like the city. We got that. Definitely. So we lend ourselves to a lot of different backgrounds and personalities. I love that, and I, I love that. It sounds like you guys are very diverse, which is very, very cool, and you've got something for everyone. But if if we decided to stop by your practice, you know, you, say you're in, in the spring and, and we wanted to come by and see how you guys practice, what would you hope that we saw? Organization. Okay. Yeah, and just uh, overall plan in place. I mean, we go out there and everybody knows where they need to be. Organization and energy, you know, because we're always doing something. We're always moving. We're not, we don't stand around. There's, there's always intent to what we do. So I think, you know, you would be – a lot of people would be shocked when they come out and watch our practice. It would be no different than going and watching Brian O'Connor's practice at UVA or Sean Stifler's practice at VCU. And, you know, we, we run our program like a Division One program. Unfortunately, we Good. just have a, a, a three as our label. Sure. Um, but organization, intent, and energy, I think, is what people would see. I love it. And so uh, for if you would leave us with one thing, I'm just going to open up the mic for you. Okay. Is there anything that you want to tell these guys or any anything that you want to tell our listeners before you go? Uh, I think it would be uh, – just take care of your players. Um, pay attention to how you treat them. Um, you know, I'm a big believer in treating others the way I'd want to be treated. Now I'm a dad, mm-hmm. and so I'm very mindful because I'm on the outside looking in with my kids and their activities. So I try to be even more mindful when it comes to, you know, hey, if this was my child. And that's what I talk to the parents a lot about in the recruiting process. So I think as, as coaches, we need to make it less about us and more about our players. So that would be the advice that I would lend to anybody here who, you know, wanted my advice, which is to make it about your, your players, not about yourself, and take care of your players because those relationships are going to last long beyond any championships that you win while they're in your program. I mean, being invited to weddings, getting birth announcements, that's, that, that, that's to me, that's the definition of success. So I would just tell people, just take care of their players, build on those relationships because those are going to last far longer than any championships you may win. Awesome. Well, you got me fired up early in the morning, so I appreciate your time, Ray, and thanks for being here. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. Sheets. What's up? Good morning. Good morning to you. Happy December. Yes. Thanks for uh, having me on. Definitely. Definitely. Well, you just came off off the stage, so you are like you're a hot commodity right now. I was waiting for the James Brown effect. Somebody put the cape around me and uh, towel me down. No Gatorade, no home run derby, nothing. Uh, somebody on Twitter earlier was asking if you or what your intro song was, and you and, and you said it was a good day by yeah. Ice Cube. Yeah. I may have mentioned it was Mo Bamba. 
So I can get down with that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I was scared of it. I, that's one of the uh, one of the songs that you play now, and everybody taps their feet. So. Sure, no doubt. But you know, for our listeners who, uh, at least on the podcast, I, for all the guys that were in there, and I want to I want to preface this by saying I was doing a, a podcast right before this, mm-hmm. and then I got the chance to to catch the tail end of it. Every single person that was in there was locked in. Like nobody was looking on their phones, and I, I feel guilty of that sometimes as well. Whenever somebody's presenting, I usually check my phone. Every I was looking around, every single person was I was all eyes on you. So tell us a little bit about what you talked about, and maybe behind that, the why. Yeah. Um, well, I, I told them to stay off your phones. I told them I'd take their phones from them. <laughs> nice. um, no, it's. Um, I think when you look at the opportunity to talk with coaches, and that's something that um, certainly as I've morphed out of being a coach, and now. Um, being in the role that I am, especially four years later, it's just recognizing who we represent as an association. And so if we have the opportunity, whether it's through the podcast or through a Barnstormers clinic or at our national convention or an opportunity like this to challenge their hearts a little bit and, and get outside of infield play and catching and pitching all that and get into thinking differently about our relationship with the word impact. And that's something that I'm working through personally every day is 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 what does that really mean and how far can that go and then when you really break down the mission of the of the talk was to think about our opportunity impact but then ask very simple questions who what when where why and how mm-hmm. and when you walk down that list you start to see that it's much greater than who my players it, it why, why aren't we thinking impact everyone we come in contact with uh when not just at the ballpark mm-hmm. how about wherever and whenever um you know not just defining our why but defining our how because that's the action items that that lead us towards towards really propelling our why forward so yeah just trying to answer those questions a little bit and um you know getting vulnerable with them and telling them some stories and telling them my my history as a coach and it's good well and the interesting part is and i think this is the sign of a good coach and you being a former coach, you said that at the very first of your career, you weren't in it for the relationship game. No. And every single person that I've had up here, and whether it's Division One down to very successful high school coaches, yep. every one of them has said that exact same thing. At the very first of my career, this is how I went about my business. Yep. But now I don't because yep. there's a better way to do that. And I, yep. and I love hearing that from you, and I love the vulnerability behind that. But I think if we look inside and we say – we all did this at one time, I think. Mm-hmm. Yep. Is that something that you've seen as well? Yeah, and and I always when I start breaking that down, you know, we're our own worst critic. Mm-hmm. And um, a couple guys I've, I, that I've coached said, "Coach, I think you're too hard on yourself," and probably so. But at the same time, I think as a coach, it's one thing to look back and recognize that I wasn't in it for the right reasons. It's another to really peel back the hood on that thing and go a couple layers deeper and yeah, go, no, what was really at my heart? Because you know that answer and only yeah. you do and only yeah. I do. And uh, when I've gotten down there, I was scared at what I found, mm-hmm. which was that my ego was 100% completely out of control and, and leading myself at the ballpark each day. I was putting players and their needs and wants and development and growth. I was putting it off to the side and um, it was facilitating me and propelling my career. And so when you, when you can really uh, no different right now, be that vulnerable and say, then that's who I was. I wasn't a monster, mm-hmm. but I wasn't great. And I'm embarrassed because of it. So then I have the opportunity to move forward, be different, but also challenge you to think differently and challenge yeah, you to get to your core and find that answer. Definitely. And, you know, there's, there's so many different ways that we could go from here, but yeah. is, is it just something that, we as as like you like you mentioned, we have to five our five five whys, and yep. you know, you having kids, they are always asking why, yep. and and we need to do that 
for ourselves too. We need to find okay, what what am I really in this for? Yeah. Am I am I in it to make an impact? And if I'm not, then that's another question that we that we need to answer. But yep. uh, for the coaches listening that that are afraid of having a relationship and being soft, like that's I think that's the, that it's the complete opposite. Because if you have a relationship with your players. They're going to go to battle for you. Like, it's not a bro hug type moment. It's a, hey, I will go to fight for this guy. Well, when you really, that's a great point. And when you really break it down, um, you're never going to have that relationship if you don't have trust. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the part that, that, a, that a coach walks into any team meeting, first team meeting. Well, I'm your coach. So we already have that established relationship. A relationship doesn't start getting formed until mm-hmm. they know who, you're, who you really are and they trust you with that. Um, conversations when the office door is closed only happen when you, when they trust each other. Mm-hmm. And uh, when you look back at, and most coaches, if they're listening to this, do, do coaches come, do players come to your office? Yeah. Do they grab you off the field? If they're not doing that, they don't trust you. Sure. And uh, if they if they do, I think they're more apt to find you or seek out those opportunities to, to connect. But uh, but back to your back to your question, I think as you um, look at how that is viewed, um, it's really personality based. You're still going to coach the way you coach. Mm-hmm. But if you have trust and then you have a real relationship, then they understand who you are. Yeah. So now it's all gets compounded positively as opposed to uh, working you know, from the front to back. Work from the back to the front and mm-hmm. build it from the ground up so then you get to a place where um, they get to see you at your best. And you're okay with that, mm-hmm. certainly. But they also get to see you at your worst mm-hmm. when you screw up, when you made a bad mistake, when you didn't handle failure the right way. Right. Um, then they get to see you on that level. But you're okay with it. Sure. It's not about being soft. It's about being right. vulnerable. Right. Uh, and that's that's tough. I told them, man, it's uh, a group full of men, and I'm saying let's be vulnerable. Yeah. So I didn't know if they were going. Maybe I was going to bring out a couch and we were all going to lay down and talk. But uh, oh, it was that's... just the opportunity to really talk talk a little more deeply on stuff. No, I, I love that. And and you know, you mentioned that once we have those moments that we do those things, mm-hmm. it's okay to say, man, I I lost. I'm sorry, guys. Yesterday, yeah, it's all not me. a good day. It's all me. And I think that you'll that you're going to gain more respect for that because the kids know you did anyways. 100%. And if you don't come back and do that, they're just going to be like, really, you think that's okay, but you're holding us to a higher standard than that? How about, yeah, in-game, no doubt. I screwed mm-hmm. up here. I made the wrong call here. Uh, I really felt like this this was going to happen. That's why I called a hit and run. They pitched out. Through. I, that, that, that's on me, guys. That's mm-hmm. over, overthinking the game. But I think that's where coaches, their their accountability stops, as opposed to, like you just mentioned, who was I at practice yesterday? Right, definitely. Guys, if you notice, man, I had a little something going on. I had something at home. I brought it with me to practice. Yeah. I preached to you guys about not doing that. Don't bring schoolwork or your girlfriend. Yeah. Don't. I, I failed there. Or how about um, uh, this is completely off the subject. You never would have known if I didn't say it, mm-hmm. but I failed here. And here's just a learning opportunity for myself and for all of us that this is where I fell short. And let's break it down. Let me help you. Let me be your experience. Don't do that ever again. Right, right. You know, there's just so much more to it. I, I, but again, it's how uh, personality based. But I mean, how how deep do you want this thing to go? And that's where again, as we walk down the questions, is um, it's much greater than just my players and our relationship right now. It's it's how am I really impacting you right now? Even this interview. How am I impacting you last night at dinner? How am I impacting you throughout our relationship? Right. I need to be better in that area. I need to think differently um, and, and really work to impact differently. And that's just what we're trying to charge these guys with. Well, you know, one thing about you, Sheets, is I think that everybody that, that comes into contact with you comes away feeling better about themselves. I think you're a master relationship builder in an instant. Hmm. So for our listeners out there who really want to step out of their comfort zone and do more things like that, because you know as well as I do, 
building relationships and being able to have relationships across the country yeah. opens up a ton of doors. One, yeah. for information, and you're, you're like, hey, Sheets, what are you doing here or yep. here? And that's yep. going to help us. But also, maybe down the line, if they need an assistant coach or something like that. So how do you make those connections early, often? And how do you – just go – tell me how you go about that. Well, it's um, <laughs> it's, it's probably a couple-sided. I uh, grew up in the household of a professional speaker, so That's right. yeah, you're yeah. going to talk. Um, you, um, if you've ever taken a Gallup Strength Finder test, my number one trait is woo, which is winning others over. Woo, um, right? Which is pretty cool. And, and now that I had a definition to it, it made a lot of sense. It's like uh, some a stranger on the street is a friend I haven't met yet. Oh yeah, and like you that. know, so that, that that that's I am charged with that. I was uh, telling a story uh, yesterday um, that uh, we took uh, Cooper to go get shots, and we walk into the uh, to the the lab. And that lady wanted nothing to do with a conversation. And I'm trying to pick at her and, hey, how's your day been? And, hey, so, so, so you guys been busy here? And I'm trying to pick at her and she wants nothing to do with me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I look at my wife and she goes, just stop. And I go, well, I got to – there's there's an entry point somewhere. Right. And uh, the moral of the story is, is I kept working on her, kept working on her. I made her laugh once. I made her laugh again. By the end of it, she was wishing us Merry Christmas and loving us on the awesome. way out the door. Yeah, and it's great. just – it's that challenge of, um, you know, trying to get people on your team. But I think more to what you're asking is um that that's just i mean i think that's being a good person when you really want to engage with someone Mm -hmm. treat them like they're the only person in the room treat them like their information is the only information and and that's tough to do you see me at convention we got a lot of conversations a lot of handshakes but for however many coaches i get to come in contact with i want to make sure that they feel like dude i gave you i gave you 10 minutes i gave you everything i had right there i wasn't thinking about my next meeting um but that's how we want to be treated. So I think it's right. all the same uh, reciprocity in any relationship is, you know, I want to make sure I do that for you. Mm-hmm. I re- respect and admire if you do that to me. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing, but, but I think at its core, it's not much more than just being a good dude. And um, hopefully I'm a good dude. I'm working on, again, working on that every day. Sure. Um, but um, I, I really am. That's one compliment I love that comes across because it's something I don't maybe take for, I probably take for granted, but it's one that I realize I respect in other people. Mm-hmm. And so maybe that's one of those modeling that I really want to, I want to exhibit that for other people as well. Well, you, just, you know, from the outside looking in, I'll tell you, you you're very authentic. <laughs> yeah. You listen to understand and not to speak over someone. And I think that, you know, that's, that's something that I wasn't always the case. No, and, and that's, that's something that I, I'm trying to constantly work on as well, because, yeah. you know, being a podcaster, we're, we're trying to decide what we want to ask no, next no. or what we should say next yep. without being, you know, having that dead time. Yep. And that's something that I'm trying to, and instead of thinking about what I'm doing next, how, how can I listen to them and then maybe formulate a question that goes along mm. with that? And I really like that you do that really well because yep. you can definitely tell there's always eye contact. You always feel like there's that's the only person in the room, and I really respect that. But I, I want to leave with this. Sure. And we've got some listeners that are probably 22 years old, mm-hmm. same age as their players. Yep. Maybe they are a GA at the school that they were just at, which is really tough. No doubt. And you, you still they hear this relationship piece, but they're like, Sheets, I don't, I don't want them to think I'm their friend. Mm-hmm. What's the fine line? Let's understand that the toughest job in baseball is coaching at the place you just got done playing. Oh, I bet. That is the toughest. It's not the one that you're not getting paid, and it's not the one. It's the one where you're coaching the kids you just spent time with in the dugout, in the locker room, at the club, in the in the dorm, the whole thing. That that relationship's much different. Um, for those guys, I think the, 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 
the 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 piece that you should find is that just be yourself. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes when they when they put the other hat on, now it's coach mode and call yeah. me coach, and I'm I'm, I'm coach Jonathan, not Jonathan right. that yeah, we yeah, hung yeah. out with. And that's not the case at all. There, you have to earn that. It's no different than we talked about relationships. You have to go earn that from them. Mm-hmm. So they trusted you as a friend, but they got to trust you now as a coach. Now it's yeah. rebuilding. Um, so I think starting with with that in mind is that um, you know I need to I need to con- show them, not convince them, show them that I'm here for them, I'm here for the right reasons. Be available, but be yourself. Don't mm-hmm. don't talk differently. Don't posture differently. Just be who you are. Be authentic. Sure. Um, and there's guys that are going to accept you, and there's guys that won't. But it's like we uh, I talked about on on Joe. I was texting with Joe a little bit earlier. Uh, Joe Ferraro, our, both of our our good friend and, and probably mentor in a lot of mm-hmm. ways. Um, is the law twenty five percent? Yeah, and if you trust it, I'm, can I give this to your guys? Go ahead. The laws of twenty five percent. I want you to hear this as well. So twenty five percent of the people you meet in life will love you from the start, and they will always love you no matter who you are, or what you do. Twenty five percent of the people you meet in life will love you from the start, but can be convinced by your actions or something you say to not be on your team. Twenty five percent of the people you meet in life will not like you at the start, but through your work, through your actions, through the the relationship, they start to come over to your team. And twenty five percent of the people you meet in life will not like you from the start and will never like you no matter what you say or do. And the minute that I understood that and embraced it as opposed to trying to please everyone, be who you are, be authentic, treat them the way you want to be treated. This is all books out of the you know, or lessons out of the good book. Mm-hmm. But when you start to lay those out, that's where it all falls into place, and you just live peacefully with it. So as, a, as the young GA or the young coach, be who you are. Be who you are. Don't think any differently. Don't do anything differently, but be there for the guys. And I think the minute that they see that you're uh, – there's a lot of dudes out there. We both follow them on Twitter that are just there for the players, and it's all mm-hmm. development-driven, and it's all um, what else can I do and promoting them on social media and videos. And when they start to see that, I think they, they see that you've turned a corner and you're mm-hmm. different than the guy they used to – you know, hang out at the club with, you're, you're a lot different in that regard. Um, but that to me is the, the, the easy first step for any coach, but especially those in particular you asked about. I love it. Well, Sheets, thank you for joining us today. I really appreciate your time. Thanks, JG. Appreciate it, brother. All right, Paul D. Campstaff, how are we? Doing well. Doing well. Thank well. you for having us. You guys were all mentioning how tired you were. We're just getting started. <laughs> yeah, we Absolutely. are. Well, I, I've got you guys for 10 minutes, and we so we're, we're going to start hot and heavy. And I just I want to hear a little bit about your program, but I also want to hear how you guys are taking a role in shaping their lives by being really good player developers. And, David, if you want to start, and we'll just walk down the line from head coach to hitting coach and pitching coach, and we'll go from there. Sure. Uh, David Mitchell, uh, head coach at Paul Camp Community College, Franklin, Virginia, also athletic director. Brandon Matthews, hitting coach and infield coach. And, uh, yeah, I'm Pat Stafford, pitching coach for Body Camp. Well, cool. Go ahead and start with, as a head coach, what's your role? Sure. Um, One, uh, we're we're all three really excited about what we've got going on currently in Franklin, uh, Virginia. uh, We're a 15-month-old program. We're just in our second fall. Um, We've seen a lot of growth over the last 15 months. you know, from starting a program from the ground up, there are a lot of challenges. Oh, sure. um, in addition to just recruiting, you know, we had, we also had a brand new complex. We were building um, a turf developmental area that was under construction. So we had a lot of things going on um, over the last 15 months. And really this fall has been our first year that we've kind of been able to just sit back and reap all the benefits of having an on-campus facility, uh, which leads into our player development. There's only three public junior college programs in the state of Virginia, oh, wow. and okay. we're one of them. 
And what we three have seen is, especially in our area, in the Hampton Roads, Tidewater area, is there's a need for a school like us um, for these student athletes uh, that from an athletic or physical um, ability-wise, they may be just short of going to a Division One school or academically maybe not quite there uh, to get into a Division One school or a Division Three school. And then the financial piece. Um, we're very affordable. Our tuition's only $4,000 a year in state. So we saw an opportunity for student athletes in the state of Virginia and locally in the Hampton Roads Tidewater region to stay close to home and develop physically, athletically, to be able to save money financially um, to where they can come to us for one or two years. We can develop them and then move them on uh, to a Division One school, whether it's in-state or out-of-state, um, and just help them prepare and get a little bit better. Um, so I'm going to let Brandon and uh, Pat talk a little bit about what we do from a hitting aspect and pitching aspect as far as development. Cool. Brandon? So um, one one thing that David mentioned on was, you know, the opportunity for student athletes in our area that they've really never had before. Um, and with that being said, we, we pride ourselves on, on giving them opportunities to become, you know, the best baseball player, the best student athlete that they can be um, and, and make that ceiling, you know, whatever they want it to be, whether they're, you know, their dream school might be X, Y, Z, but, you know, they don't have that offer that they want yet. We give them that opportunity to come in. And from a hitting standpoint, we pride ourselves on, you know, using the latest player development methods. We we do a lot of stuff that was talked about at Wake Forest, um, things that Baseball Rebellion teaches when they were working with Tom Eller at Harford Community College. Um, so we're doing, you know, we're bringing in rap soda machines in the future. We're going to bring in spin ball pitching machines. We want to train our guys in an environment that's going to maximize their ability that they have now, but at the same time challenge them for those D1 level type pitching that they're going to see in the future um, using you know, weighted bats, um, blast motion, diamond kinetics, tracking data, offensive production measurements just posted weekly, a lot of competitions. So if, if you're a position player and you're looking for a place where you can grow and, and become you know the best position player you can be and the best hitter you can be, you definitely need to come check us out at, at Paul D. Camp. Uh, tuition's affordable, like uh, Coach Mitchell said, and we're we're a growing mindset, forward-thinking coaching staff. Where you know I don't know everything, and I'm learning every day to try to become a better hitting coach. So I, I want my players to to benefit from you know everything that we have to offer, not not just you know mold every guy into a cookie cutter type system situation so we, we pride ourselves in doing that on from the hitting side uh, side of things and using different competitions things that you mentioned in your presentation today that were you know very valuable from a constraints led approach um, so if these guys are following you know programs the driveline hitting the expats the weighted weighted bat programs you know that's one thing we pride ourselves on is trying to stay up to date on the latest ways to develop you know, players on on the hitting side, and we think we can do a good job of that, and we look forward to seeing this program grow with this coming coming recruiting class that we put together, and then the one that's going to come after that. We we think we're going in the right direction. Fantastic. And on the pitching side, yeah, absolutely. From the pitching side, um, one of the things that really drew me to this job when Coach Mitchell accepted the position was that the fact that like he was talking about. Junior college baseball is kind of unique in the state of Virginia to an extent, mm -hmm. where North Carolina, South Carolina, Maryland has really taken the reins on that quite a bit and been able to really develop a lot of guys and give them an opportunity to develop an extra two years. 
um, to where, and, you know, not knocking a four-year school whatsoever, but with us, the ability to come in and play as a freshman and sophomore to where you can really take a lot of freshmen that are not quite developed as a junior or a senior that's 81 to 82, 83 on the mound, and they can come and actually get innings and play. Uh, right away and really develop and that's what a lot of guys we feel need mm-hmm. um, I was a junior college player myself and it was very beneficial for me during my playing days to actually get out there and have at bats and and see innings and, and time um, one player that we're very proud of that started with us um, for the first year a left-handed pitcher of us came in as a 175 175 pounds six foot one guy and he's leaving us going to a really strong powerhouse division two school in the university as a six foot three 220 pound kid with a seven mile hour velo jump with a matter of a year and a half mm-hmm. without the opportunity of a junior college baseball program he may not have that development to get into right. to get into that um, so that's one thing that really excites me about being in this program and Having the junior college baseball aspect in the state of Virginia, we're giving guys another opportunity, like Coach said, academically to to get where they need to be financially. Not only that, just to develop as a player by getting more playing time. Fantastic. Well, before you go, why don't you just go ahead and leave our audience and our podcast, you know, listeners of just a little bit of advice and you know, just anything that that we can take home with us. Sure. Yeah. And and one thing that I I want to end on is. You know, last night we talked a lot about brand and, and what we would be known for um, at Paul D. Camp. Uh, you know, Brandon's talked about the hitting and Pat's talked about pitching development. I think one thing that, that is starting to get out in the Hampton Roads community is that not only are we developing our players athletically, we're developing the entire person. Uh, we do mental Mondays. We bring in different speakers every Monday that share with our student athletes that help them grow off the field. Um, we've participated in many community outreach programs. We had a turkey trot uh, right before Thanksgiving. We brought in over 200 canned goods um, that we donated to, donated to the food bank. Uh, so we're doing a lot of things, not just to develop them, you know, academically and athletically, but to develop the entire person. And, I um, mean, you know, I think as that brand grows, um, you know, more people are going to be drawn to us because we care about these kids. You know, um, it, it's about them. It's not about us. And, uh, you know, this, this year we've got 18 sophomores and 17 are on track to graduate on time. Uh, we're expecting about 12 to 13 to go play D1, D2, D3. But what about the other five or six? Right. You know, we want them to leave being better people than they were when they came to us. We want them to be great fathers, husbands, um, you know, sons, etc. Uh, so that's something we take a lot of pride in. And, you know, again, we're young, we're new, uh, we're excited, we're driven, and we just look forward to the growth we know we're going to have. Well, fantastic. Thank you guys for coming out and uh, yeah. appreciate the appreciate the uh, advice. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Ahead of the Curve. Before you go, I'd love to be able to get in touch with you, and we have several different ways of doing so. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at AOTC underscore podcast. You can join the AOTC Coaches Facebook group. And if you want to be a part of the mini clinic emails, both of those links are listed below. If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving us a rating or review to help others find and stay ahead of the curve.